Well, let's take our Bibles and uh, go to Jeremiah 29 with me this morning, if you would, Jeremiah 29. And uh, as you're turning there, I'd like to uh, speak about just a few of the books that we have here as resources uh, on this table on my right to your left. And I just want to highlight a few of these that have been a personal blessing in my life and uh, some of my favorite. First of all, we have uh, what is called the book Outsiders. And uh, this book is written by Pastor Paul Chapel, And uh, it lists 15 uh, leaders, biographies of those who followed Christ and changed the world. And these are people that did not compromise concerning the culture and the trends of their days. And uh, many of them died a martyr's death as they stood for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This will challenge you. It will convict you as you read about their stories. Uh, people, like, uh, people like Charles Spurgeon, people like William Carey, and those that did, did what they could for the gospel during their lifetime. And so this is a book called Outsiders, and I encourage you to take a look at that. This next book is called uh, Keep the Faith, Keep the Faith, and uh, this is a wonderful book that teaches you on how we might balance our position when it comes to our doctrine, to be firm and uncompromising when it comes to what we believe concerning the truths of the Scriptures, but then at the same time, how we can be gracious and loving in our disposition that we might reach our community and our world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it speaks about how we might navigate uh, some of the things that we're going through in our current culture today. And uh, Pastor addresses different trends, such as the LGBTQ movement, and uh, he addresses the social justice movement, and then also the CRT, the critical race theory uh, movement right now. And uh, how do we navigate? How do we discern uh, when it comes to not only our position, but then what can we do in our time to make a difference? And, and what position should we take? And uh, how can we uh, witness and make a difference uh, concerning folks that might, uh, that might adhere to those trends? And so that's, uh, that's about Keep the Faith, and uh, that'd be a tremendous blessing to you as well. Uh, and then we have uh, this. This is, uh, this is called Disciple, and it goes through the book of Luke, and this is a daily devotional. And uh, I know many of you probably already have a schedule on how you read your Bible and how you spend the time uh, with the Lord on a daily basis. This can be a help, and uh, this is a resource every single day. There's a, there's a story, something inspirational there. Uh, concerning the Christian life. Uh, and then there's also a Bible reading schedule there for you. And so one for every single day throughout the year. And once again, it's going through the book of Luke. And that's called Disciple. And that's up here as well. And then the last book that I want to mention to you, and I always have to mention this because this is the bestseller uh, when it comes to Striving Together publications out of all of the books uh, that are sold. And uh, it's written by Mrs. Chapel, all right, pastor's wife, and it's called Heartfelt Hospitality. And uh, this is a great book. My wife has a copy. I made sure that she had one. And uh, it has different principles about hospitality. And uh, from my lifetime and, and meeting different people, I, I don't know anybody else that does a better job in hospitality than Pastor and Mrs. Chapel, and, and uh, they've had hundreds and thousands of people come through their homes, and uh, they've, they've sat across the table from them, served them a meal, and then shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and seen them get saved at the dinner table, uh, and then come out to the church and become members uh, of Lancaster Baptist Church. And so uh, the first half of this book has a lot of different principles, biblical principles about hospitality and uh, how you might... Uh, invite folks and have your home prepared. A lot of practical things on how you might lead into the gospel in your conversation. Uh, and then the last half of this book, and uh, this is my favorite part of it, has a, has a bunch of these pictures of recipes, all right, and uh, photos that she has served and uh, different meals here. And so you can take that and uh, uh, have one in your home, and that can help you as you host different people within your house. And so once again, that's called Heartfelt Hospitality. If that can be a blessing to you, I encourage you to come up here and take a look at that. We got some music. 
music CDs up here. We got some devotionals just for ladies. Uh, we got some marriage books as well. And so if those can be a help and an encouragement, please come on by and uh, take a look at that resource table. All right, Jeremiah 29. And if you found your place there, let's stand together if you're able to here this morning. And uh, we'll look at Jeremiah 29, verse number 10, down to verse number 14. I think many of us are familiar with probably verse number 11 and the context here. And so we'll read verse number 10 down to verse number 14. And I'd like to bring to you a message here this morning entitled, Renewed in Hope. Renewed in Hope. And uh, I simply pray that this message can be an encouragement and uh, it can be edifying to each and every single one of us here this morning that we would leave this place uh, pressing forward for the Lord and uh, living in victory for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jeremiah 29, verse number 10, down to verse number 14. The Bible reads there, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall he call upon me, and he shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And he shall seek me and find me, when he shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places, whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again unto the place whence I caused you to be carried away. I want you to notice once again verse number 11, and that's really going to be the crux of our uh, message and sermon here this morning. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this morning. And once again, Lord, I thank you for the awesome privilege it is uh, to gather in the house of God and to spend this time together with the people of God in worshiping our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I simply pray, as I've prayed many times uh, before this service, that you would use the principles here and uh, you would comfort and strengthen and edify the church family that's gathered together within this place. Father, I pray that you would be with my words and pray, Father, that you would use me to say the things that you would have me to say and the things that you would not have me to say. Help me to forget that. And I pray ultimately that through it all that your people would be strengthened and edified and that you would be glorified and that you'd be magnified throughout this service. And then, Father, I pray once again, as it has already been prayed, that perchance if there's somebody here in this room and they do not know for certain that heaven is their home, I pray this morning would be the day of their salvation. I pray today that they would settle that issue within their hearts and they would know for certain before leaving this place that if something were to happen in their life, that they would be in heaven with the Lord. And so, Father, we pray that you would have free course uh, throughout this time, have freedom within our hearts, and do the work that only you can do, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, one of the most encouraging truths that we find throughout the entirety of the Scriptures is that no matter what kind of situations that we go through within this life, and no matter what kind of dire valley we might find ourselves here this morning, there is always hope in the Lord. There is always hope in God. And could I say here this morning, if you're a born-again believer, uh, if there's been a time in your life where you are confronted with the gospel and you realize that you are a sinner on your way to hell and you recognize that there's only one way to be saved, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ, and by faith you accepted Him 
into your life at that very moment. The Bible promises that the Holy Spirit of God indwelt you. At that very moment, you were made a new creature. And at that very moment, you were made part of the family of God. And as part of the family of God, we find throughout the scriptures that all the promises apply to you and they apply to me. And therefore, no matter what kind of situation we're going through, uh, no matter how dark the valley, no matter how hopeless it might seem, there is always hope in our God and hope in our Lord. I think about the story concerning the southernmost tip of Africa, which, is, which was known as the Cape of Storms due to the severe weather that they experienced in that region of the ocean. And for some time, there was no one that went beyond that cape and returned to tell the tale. Uh, and so that was a place that was called the Cape of Storms because of those reasons and the mystery that lie beyond. But then in the 16th century, there was a Portuguese explorer by the name of Vasco da Gama, and he successfully sailed around the very point uh, there at the southernmost tip of Africa, and he found passage over to the subcontinent of India, and there he found jewels. And uh, there he found treasures, and there he found spices, and he brought that back home. And from that point forward, it was no longer called the Cape of Storms, but now it was renamed, and it was known as the Cape of Good Hope. And what used to be a point of great despair became a point of great hope. And could I say here this morning, you might be going through a situation today, and you might have come in with many burdens upon your shoulders, and you might be thinking, hey, this is a point of despair. But with God, that very point can become a point of great hope in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 42, verse number 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 13, the Bible says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that he may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And you see here this morning, we can look around us and uh, we can look at the situations and we can look at uh, some of the circumstances that surround us within this life and we can become discouraged and maybe even depressed, but then we can always look up and we can always realize that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can always have hope and rest as we look up at the character of our God. I think about what Corey Tenboom said many years ago, the survivor of the Holocaust. She said, look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. And as we think about our passage here this morning in Jeremiah uh, 29, we find here the people of God, and uh, they're in very uncertain times. Uh, they're in very distressing times. The land of Judah now has been invaded by the Babylonian Empire. Uh, the king of Judah, King Jehoiakim, he has become a servant and a slave and a vassal now to Nebuchadnezzar. And many now have been taken captive into a foreign land. And that's the situation that we find them in here in Jeremiah 29. They're in a foreign culture. Uh, they're in a pagan culture surrounded by idolatry. And now they're under the bondage of a dictator, an authoritarian despot. And it is to this group that we find here that God commissions Jeremiah to write a letter from Jerusalem and to send it over to the elders that are in captivity. And we find here the underlying message of it all, and that is a message of comfort. And it's a message of faith, and it's a message that they would renew their hope. Even in the dark seasons, they would renew their hope and once again press forward in faith, trusting 
in their God. In Jeremiah 29, verse number 1, we find that commission of the letter. It says, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so as we think about this letter here this morning and the message of God through Jeremiah, I want you to notice with me several principles today and uh, several truths on how we might apply it to our lives in the 21st century and how we too might renew our hope and press forward once again for our God. And so first of all, notice with me in verse number 10, I find here the control of God. Uh, notice the control of God and notice what the Bible says in verse number 10. It says, For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. And I want you to notice with me there that God had a specific time frame. Uh, God had a specific timetable concerning the captivity of the Israelites there in exile in Babylon. He says specifically there, seventy years. Uh, roughly from about 607 B.C. to about 537 B.C., they're going to be in captivity under the Babylonian Empire. And we find the letter that is written through Jeremiah. Now, I'm sure as these people were receiving that letter, as they heard that message, they were thinking to themselves, well, 70 years, that's a long time. And some of them might have been thinking, well, I wish it was maybe seven years or, or maybe seven months or maybe uh, 17 years, but 70 years, wow, that's a really long time to be in captivity. And I'm sure some people were a little bit disheartened about the period that was going to take place concerning their captivity. Nevertheless, there's great comfort here. Uh, nevertheless, there's great assurance here as we think about the fact that it's God's timetable. Uh, you see, their captivity was not determined by King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, their captivity was not determined by the Babylonian Empire, but it was God who was in control. He was the one that was sovereign over everything that was taking place there. And there's great comfort in knowing that although everything around us might seem out of control, God is always in control over everything within our lives. And let us be reminded here this morning that no matter how out of control our lives might become, and, uh, and I don't know, once again, what kind of burdens you might carry here uh, this morning. And you might be in this room thinking, you know what, my health is out of control. Uh, maybe you had an appointment with a doctor earlier this week. Or maybe you've been struggling with something for quite some time. And you've been praying for that over and over. And you're thinking to yourself, my health is out of control. Uh, maybe for some of us here this morning, we're thinking, well, my finance is out of control, or, or my job is out of control, or my relationships are out of control, or, or maybe my family is out of control. And I don't know what it might be here this morning, but I simply want to encourage you with this truth that we find in the Bible, that God is always in control, and He knows exactly what He's doing, and He's sovereign over every single aspect within our lives. The Bible says that God is in control of the nations. In Psalm 22, verse 28, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He is the governor among the nations. In Job 12, the Bible says God is in control over every life. It says, In whose, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. In Colossians chapter 1, it teaches that God is in control over all of creation, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And those words there, or that word there, consist, it means to set together. 
Uh, it means that all things are upheld by him, that everything is governed and directed and managed by him and for him and according to his will. And so if we believe that truth here this morning, that God is sovereign, then that means God is omnipotent. Uh, that means God is omniscient. That means God is perfect in, in all the things that he's doing. If we believe that here this morning, then could I say here today that no matter what we're going through, uh, no matter what kind of dire valley we might be experiencing here this morning, if God is in control of it all and he knows what's good for us and he loves us more than we love ourselves, then in every situation of life we can rejoice and give thanks trusting in the sovereignty of our God. I think about the prophet Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter number three, in the final chapter there, he writes about the same incident concerning the captivity uh, of the Jewish people into Babylon, and, and he's predicting the future. He's prophesying about what's going to take place. And in the last uh, verses there of Habakkuk, in verse number 16, he says, when I heard, my belly trembled. Uh, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Speaking about Nebuchadnezzar and the troops that would come into the land. And then in verse 17, he speaks about the destitution. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines. And he's describing here, hey, it's impending, it's coming. And uh, there's going to be a destruction of the land. Some are going to be taken as captives into a foreign land. We're going to have destitution when it comes to our fields. And, and it's coming here in the near future. And to all of that, we find the response of Habakkuk in verse number 18. He says, yet, he says, despite all the suffering, uh, despite all the pain, despite all the difficulty that we're going to face, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. And what Habakkuk was saying there was, Lord, I don't quite understand your hand. I don't quite understand exactly what you're doing. Why are you taking your people out of the land? And why are you taking us over uh, into Babylon? And he's saying, Lord, I might not understand the hand of God, but I can always trust in the heart of God concerning your character, that you love us, that you're sovereign, that everything is under your control, and that you're using it ultimately for your good and for your glory. And so we find here Habakkuk was rejoicing in that situation. And likewise, Jeremiah challenges them concerning that truth as well. Uh, in the same chapter there, Jeremiah 29, a few verses earlier, he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem, Unto Babylon, build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. And Jeremiah is writing to them, hey, while you're in that captivity, hey, move forward with your life. Right? Don't gripe and murmur about it. Don't be apathetic. But hey, this is all part of God's plan. Move forward in that life. Get married and have your children get married and press forward and pray for the peace of that land and be faithful and diligent, trusting that God knows exactly what he's doing according to his sovereign plan. And so likewise here for many of us uh, that go through some hardships, uh, that go through some times of great heartache within our life, 
as a born-again believer, as a child of God here today, could I say that there's always hope in the most dire situations, in the greatest despair, there's always hope in God realizing and believing that God is sovereign, right? It's under his control. I don't know how many messages I've heard about the sovereignty of God uh, throughout the season of COVID. Uh, as everything was going up and down and as we were going on this roller coaster back and forth, uh, I heard message after message after message. Hey, we as the people of God can rejoice. Uh, despite the uncertainties, we can give thanks and trust the Lord and keep pressing forward because we believe in the sovereignty and the control of God. He knows what he's doing and he has everything under his control. And so we find here, first of all, the control of God. But secondly, I want you to notice with me, not only the control of God, we find the care of God in verse number 11. It goes on and the Bible reads there, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And as we think about the care of God, notice with me two aspects. I find, first of all, His mindfulness. Uh, notice the mindfulness and the thoughts of God. It says there in the first portion of verse number 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. And what a wonderful truth that is, that our God, uh, His mind is filled with thoughts towards the people of God. Isn't that a wonderful truth here this morning, that every single moment of every single day that God is thinking about you and that God is thinking about me, that His mind is filled with the people of God and His thoughts of peace and not of evil. And uh, the Bible teaches us in Psalms chapter 8, verse number 3, when I considered thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I don't know about you, but every once in a while I'll receive maybe a text message or maybe just a small note. And, and in that text message, it might read something along these lines. Uh, Paul, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you and hope you have a blessed day. Uh, I think about last night, close to about 1030 in the evening, I received a, a text message from a pastor and he said, he said, Paul, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you and your team as you minister in churches tomorrow. And, and as I received that text, that was a blessing to me. Uh, that was an encouragement to me as somebody else is taking time to, to think about me and, and uh, pray for me. That was a blessing and an encouragement in my life. Uh, every once in a while, my children will write little notes. And uh, I have three kids. I have Noah, Natalie, and Luke. And uh, Noah is 12, and Natalie's 10, and Luke is 6. And Every once in a while, I'll get to my office, and I'll open up my, my bag, and I'll pull out my laptop, and in between my books, there, there might be a small little piece of paper, and I'll pull that out, and usually there's a drawing, a stick figure of me and, and a stick figure of them holding hands together, and then they'll draw a big heart around that, and uh, usually on the back, there's a small little note, and it says, Dad, I love you, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you, Natalie, or Noah, or Luke, or whoever it might be, and they send me a little note, and as I read that, man, I, I'm just filled with encouragement. I feel warm and fuzzy inside because somebody is thinking about me. That's an encouragement. And I want you to be encouraged here this morning that God is thinking about you. Look, we're not talking about the, the mayor of this city. Uh, we're not talking about some multi-billionaire CEO. We're not talking about a king or a president. We're talking about the creator of the universe. Uh, we're talking about the one that, that brought everything to an existence by his word. We're talking about the omnipotent, the, the self-existent one. He is the one that is thinking of you, and he's thinking of me today. And he cares for you more than you care for yourself. And God knows your needs, and God knows your heartaches. And let us be comforted today that God, in his infinite mind, is thinking of us every single moment 
of our lives. He is mindful of us. He has set his heart upon us. God keeps us continuously in his sight. I remember when uh, my firstborn Noah, uh, when he was three years old, we decided for the first time to take him to an amusement park. And, and uh, if you have little ones or if you had little ones and you take them to an amusement park, uh, you know the adventure that is, right? And, uh, and uh, they're having a blast and they have fun. But the entire time you're there, your mind is filled with thoughts concerning your son or your child. Right? Where, where is my son? And where did he go? And I don't see him uh, in my line of sight. And is he hungry? If he's hungry, you want to get him food. And is he thirsty? And is he enjoying this ride? Is it too scary for him? Is he getting nauseous? And, and the entire time, he's enjoying and doing what he needs to do. And in my mind, it's filled with thoughts of Noah. Every other second, Noah, 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 Noah. How's he doing? How's he doing? Is he feeling okay? Noah, Noah, Noah. And could I say here tonight, that's how our Heavenly Father thinks of us, right? Every moment, Paul, how's he doing? Uh, what, what are his cares? What are his burdens? I want to lift those for him. I want to assist him. I want to I take care of him. I want to help him through my word and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. And you see here this morning, the Bible teaches that God is mindful of you and me, and he will take care of us. I think about the wonderful hymn written by Sevilla Martin, and she wrote many years ago, Be not dismayed, whatever betide. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day, over all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. And so we find the New Testament command, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And so we find here concerning the care of God, we find his mindfulness, that his mind is filled with thoughts towards you and me. But then secondly, notice with me his motive. Uh, notice the motive concerning his thoughts. It says there at the end of verse number 11, it says to give you an expected end. And you see those words there, expected end, it speaks about a desirable result. Uh, it speaks about a result that you would wish for and hope to have within your life. And the Bible teaches here that that is the purpose of God, right? The Israelites, as they were there in captivity, they, they couldn't put two things together and they couldn't realize that, hey, how could anything good come from this captivity? Uh, how could anything good come from the destruction of our land and the destitution of the fields? How could anything good come from this foreign captivity under Nebuchadnezzar in the empire of Babylon? They, they couldn't see how any of this could be good. But you see, in God's perspective, he says, no, 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 I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. Right? I'm in control of Nebuchadnezzar. I raised him up and his army so that ultimately they might be able to judge you because of your sin. But there's a good end to all of this. And the good purpose to all of this, that you would humble yourselves and once again repent and turn your heart once again to the Lord. And he says there's an expected end to what is taking place here. There's a good purpose and a good plan for this season in your life. And he speaks about that in Jeremiah 24, 5. He says, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. It says, for their good. One commentator said it this way, for their temporal good. Some were raised to great honors as Daniel and his associates. Others got and possessed estates in Babylon and some returned with favors and riches. And this was also for their spiritual good to bring them to a sense of their sins to repentance for them and acknowledgement of them, and particularly to cure them of idolatry, which it effectually did. 
And you see, it was through this time of suffering that, yes, some were exalted into positions of power as we think about Daniel and became a great influence for the Lord. But ultimately, as we think about the people of God, it drew their hearts back to the Lord. And you see, God was using all of that to once again bring their hearts back to Him, to forsake the idolatry and the paganism that they were into within the land of Judah. And you see here this morning, I don't know what you might be going through, right? You might be going through a time and and maybe there's great suffering within your life. Uh, Maybe there's great confusion within your life this morning. Maybe there's great loneliness in your life. I don't know uh, what season you're going through here today, but I simply want to encourage you with this truth. Not only is God thinking of you and his mind full of thoughts towards you, but at the same time, he has a good purpose and an end to it all. Uh, He has an expected end. We think about the promise in Romans 8, 28 in the New Testament, and we know, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And I realize this morning, sometimes we take that verse and we, and we take it out of context and we misinterpret it and we say, wait a minute, it's not all working out for good. I didn't get a raise at my job. I didn't get healed from my sickness. I'm not, I'm not living now with prosperity and health. And it didn't all work out together for good. And that might be our perspective. But you see, what God is speaking about here is more of a spiritual sense. And, and he's saying all of these things as children of God, I'm working it all together for good. According to verse number 29, he says, ultimately, the end goal and the purpose is that you and I would be conformed into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be more like Jesus, uh, that we would more be humble like our Savior, that we would learn meekness like our Savior, that we would learn to love one another like our Savior, that we would become more like Jesus even through the seasons of sufferings and difficulties within our lives. And could I say here this morning, if there's anything that God uses in this life to make us more like Jesus, even if it's painful, even if it's frustrating and confusing, if God is using that with an ultimate end goal to make us like Jesus. Could I say this here this morning? It's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful blessing that we can turn around and realize what God is doing and say, Lord, thank you for this season. Lord, I I rejoice in this season because you're using this You're under control. You're you're in control of it all. And you're using this ultimately to make me more like Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful blessing that is. And what a wonderful promise we have as believers of God here this morning concerning his expected end and his motive for our lives. And so we find here this morning the control of God, right? God is in control. He's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. And therefore, we can rest and have assurance in him the care of God, his mindfulness that he's thinking of you, he's thinking of me, and he has a purpose and an expected end for it all. It is for our good and for his glory. And then finally, lastly, quickly as we close here, I want you to notice with me then the challenge of God, the control of God, the care of God, and then the challenge of God. It says in verse number 12, Then shall he call upon me, and he shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And he shall seek me and find me when he shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. And God comforts and encourages the Israelites by letting them know I'm in control, right? I'm sovereign over it all. 
Right? I care for you. I have thoughts towards you, and I have an expected end for it all. And then here at the end, he gives them a challenge, and he says, I will deliver you. In essence, he says, I will deliver you. That's my promise. I will deliver you. But until that deliverance comes, remain faithful unto me. Right? Keep praying. Uh, keep seeking me with all of your heart and remain diligent and press forward, trusting in your God. And likewise, the challenge is the same for each and every one of us here this morning. In the midst of our uncertainties, God will deliver us. Right? It might not be exactly the deliverance that we are expecting. Right? God has a better plan for it all. Uh, it might not be that God will uh, somehow miraculously cure us, although he could. But, but that's according to his sovereign plan. It might not be according to his perfect plan, but eventually he will deliver us, whether it might be physically or spiritually. But through it all, he promises that he'll give us the grace to help in time of need. He promises that he'll give us the divine enablement through every season, that not only would we endure that season, but that we'd be victorious, pressing forward for our Savior. And so what do we do until we wait for that deliverance? Do we just kind of sit back? Uh, do we just kind of twiddle our thumbs and just wait for that deliverance to come? What do we do? And God gives the challenge here. He said, I'm going to deliver you 70 years. But until that point, be diligent. Seek me with all of your heart. Pray unto me. Trust me. Right? Press forward and be faithful. Keep doing what I have commanded you to do. And likewise, for each and every single one of us, even in the seasons of difficulty within our lives, let me challenge you to keep pressing forward. Let me challenge you to remain faithful. Uh, faithful to your church, uh, faithful in serving side by side with your pastor, uh, faithful in witnessing and telling others about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, faithful in giving, faithful in being uh, where you need to be and playing your part for the New Testament local church. And God will bless and God will give you the strength to keep pressing forward in the Lord. In Hebrews 4.16, the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God says, I'll give you that grace that you can be faithful and press forward victoriously for your Savior. And so here this morning, I think about this truth in Jeremiah 29, to be renewed in hope, renewed in hope. Once again, I don't know what season you might be going through, uh, but I believe in a room this size, there's going to be several folks uh, that you've walked in here with some burdens and uh, maybe some burdens that you've never even shared with anybody else within this room. And maybe there's some confusion within your heart. I want to encourage you with the simple truth. Here were the people of God. They were in captivity, foreign land, uh, under a dictator, under a pagan culture, completely lost. They felt like they were hopeless. But then here comes the truth of God's word. Hey, remember, I'm in control. I know what I'm, 70 years, that's the time frame. I'm in control of all of this. I'm thinking of you. I love you. I care for you. And I'll give you the grace and the strength that you need. So keep pressing forward and renew your hope in the Lord. And I want to challenge you with that thought here this morning.